0: Last weekend, Andrew Colley of the ZAP Endurance team raced to a second-place finish at the U.S. Cross-Country Championships in a time of 28 minutes, 47 seconds. That result punctuated a thrilling return to racing this fall and winter for Andrew. He also claimed top 10 spots at the U.S. 10-mile Championships and USATF Road 5K Champs and fourth place at the ultra-competitive Thanksgiving Day Manchester Road Race in a course-record time for the age 30 and over division. Now Andrew sets his sights on the World Cross Championships in Australia next month as a member of the six-man U.S. squad. He joined us fresh off his runner-up performance for a discussion of cross-country, training, and the challenges of overcoming injuries. Plus, he gave us a sneak peek into his upcoming marathon schedule and the fueling plan that will carry him through those 26.2 miles. Here's a spoiler. If you've thought about training on Sweet Tea and jangles, American distance running has a hero who is one step ahead of you. Now, here's Andrew Colley on mile 141 of Seconds Flat, brought to you by Columbus Running Company and ColumbusRunning.com. Seconds flat. Give it up. Look at Mills! Look at Mills! Outbound Mills! We're on the straight. Oh, wins the 10,000 meters. Stand by for the kick of Dave Waddle. If he's got it, he could make it. I think he did it! Dave
1: Waddle wants a goal, Bill! This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's
0: been broken three times. He refuses to give in. Andrew, it is a joy to talk with you. Congrats on the second place finish last weekend at the U.S. Cross Country Champs.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: First, most important, are you taking your spot on the team for world champs at Bathurst, Australia next month?
1: I am, yep. Officially taking the spot. I'm going to be uh, racing out there.
0: Awesome. Have you seen much of the course?
1: I haven't seen any of the course yet. Um, Been looking at the weather. It's going to be a little little warmer than it is uh, stateside right now. So I'm um, I'm already started on a heat protocol. So getting ready.
0: Ah, cool. So what does that look like for you?
1: I just started yesterday. Um, one of uh, my teammates' husband, uh, Riley Macon, he's actually a coach at MIT. He did some research on it. So it's, it's miserable, but you end your easy run at a hot tub and get in the hot tub immediately for 40 minutes.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: and, and it's not bad for about 15 minutes, but around like 25 to 30, I kind of started getting a little lightheaded. <laughs> so uh. it's, it's kind of brutal, but it's supposedly it supposedly works really well.
0: Interesting. Okay. I uh, might have to try this for the next hot marathon. That's been a a key piece for me adjusting that heat. I watched the Australian trials and they mentioned even there, because they did their trials in Canberra, how much hotter it's going to be at Mount Panorama in Bathurst. But the course looks really neat from what I've seen, a a whole bunch of different pieces of of the Australian setting. So it it should be really fun. Yeah. This will not be your first time in the Team USA kit. You were at Right. cross-world champs nearly a decade ago in, yep. chi- in China. What did you learn there combined with your experiences since that maybe now make you a savvy vet prepared for a big performance?
1: Yeah, uh, I learned, uh, learned a few things. I actually, I, the main thing I learned is not to drink the water in China because <laughs> I got Giardia before the race. Uh, so so uh, I think Australia, that's not as much of an issue but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to get the, the first one out of the way because it's more, uh, more along the lines of, okay, how can I work together with Team USA to see what we can do and mix it up with the uh, Kenyans and Ethiopians out there. So uh, I'm definitely going to a, bring a big energy for that and hopefully we can get some pretty good team performances.
0: Any particular international guys that you're excited to line up against?
1: I haven't looked at the start list yet or who who's going to be there. So not particularly, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to race with uh, the Team USA guys again and see if we can uh, get a strategy together.
0: Well, my co-host Phil and I have been on uh, somewhat of a two-man crusade here lately to make cross matter again at the pro level in the U.S. And I, <laughs> I don't expect you to speak for other runners, but what are some of the limiting factors that might make committing to cross and in particular these world cross champs in Australia in February challenging for some of the top pros? Yeah, it's
1: it's tough because you kind of have to uh, sacrifice those new opportunities that are kind of peppered into the indoor scene right now. You know, you've got your B, BU meets, you've got uh, Milrose and you got Dr. Sanders. You got a lot of opportunities for fast 5k's and 3k's and miles so you really have to be you you have to pick one or the other basically and uh so that's what makes it tough because a lot of those races are so stacked these days that it's tough to to justify going to a cross meet especially if you want to stay on the track now for me personally since I'm more of the roads and marathon now probably get back to the track a little bit but um it's a it's a good opportunity to kind of like get some toughness mm. to prepare for those later miles in the marathon. So um, it fits perfectly for me. And I've always been a fan of the team aspect of cross country. Um, it's something that I hold very near and dear to my heart because all my favorite memories are with my cross country teams, whether it be high school or college or even doing some club cross stuff with uh, the ZAP team. So it's always been a special to me. And I feel like it kind of is a great equalizer and going over hills and going over multiple surfaces. It kind of like sees who's toughest, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, to that point, you've had plenty of success on the grass at NCAAs. You had multiple All-America finishes, including a, a top 10. You've got an ACC individual title. Now, why do you think it suits you, Andrew?
1: Um, I, to be honest, I always have been really into the team, energy that cross brings that I, I kind of have found that I, I play play off of other people's energies a lot. So during the cross season, everyone's really excited about like the team aspect and it kind of elevates me as an individual at the same time. Uh, so I think that aspect is what has driven some of my ses- success over um, cross. But on the other hand, I think I've always been a strong hill runner so the hills don't bother me as much. And I just really, I have fun running in the woods and that's basically what crosses. So uh, I'm always down to do that.
0: Yeah. It's such a great perspective because you, take us back to just the joy of of why we run and maybe a bit of getting more out of ourselves when we're doing it for something bigger than just us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great to chase a fast time on a track, but to be able to compete with teammates is a really uh, neat opportunity. And uh, for you now in your 30s, becoming a more rare opportunity, I assume to line up next to guys in a team scoring situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's tough to find those uh, those races, and I think I feel like even to comment on the track side, um, a lot of the groups, you know, in in the U.S., like the OAC, Empowerment, they see a lot of success because they are able to make these track races that they're in a team event because they're racing with their teammates, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that part of it's pretty cool, um, and so you're kind of seeing like. Okay, how can I get with a group of guys that I can kind of see as my teammates and race with them so we can elevate each other? And I think you're seeing it a lot more and more um, on the track and even on the roads too.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Do you have maybe an historical, a favorite runner, uh, somebody who was able to cross over road, track? grass uh, much like yourself that you see maybe on a pedestal is kind of your uh, icon that that you've admired
1: that's tough because i to be honest i have always been really bad with names and i to be honest i didn't know many professional runners before okay. i um, even even in college my coach would bring up runners that were in the ncaa with me and i have no idea who they are just because <laughs> i kind of stay out of that world a little bit but i will say i did i did do a a project on Sebco when I was uh, in elementary school because my dad, that was my dad's favorite runner. But on a similar note, I, I'm a big fan of Laird Hamilton, who's a big wave surfer.
0: Okay, Um, great. Yeah. So
1: I look up to him and he kind of crossed over from uh, competitive surfing to like being a waterman and then back to big wave surfing. So he's, he's like a huge, huge kind of versatile athlete in the surfing world. And I have always looked up to him. So I try and apply some of his, um, philosophies to running if I can.
0: Super interesting. Was your dad a successful runner when you were growing up?
1: Um, he, he ran, um, in college, uh, for Virginia Tech for a couple years. So, so he was, he was definitely a talented runner. He, he struggled much as I have with injuries. So, um, so he had a hard time with it, but he was definitely a, a competitive runner back in the day.
0: What's the biggest lesson? Maybe it's not even running, Andrew, but biggest lesson that he took away from his running experience that's passed down to you? That's a good question.
1: I, biggest lesson he's passed down to me, probably like the the biggest thing is instilling like that self-belief, mm. like believing in yourself and what you can do that's a big one. Um, And it's very, very prevalent in how I look at things and just never limiting yourself. And then he also, since he was in the sport um, and he had to run a lot of miles and got hurt a few times, I think he really appreciated the enjoying running in the moment and staying present with it and remembering that, oh, this this is something that we did as children when we We're overcome with joy as we start to run, you know. Like it's like it's like an act of joy. So to keep present with that, it's probably something else he's taught me.
0: Yeah, those are powerful lessons. That'll take you a long way in running and in life. Oh yeah. You mentioned surfing there. Were you into other sports when you were younger? You you know, you said you weren't following running much. Um, I was big into
1: basketball. I really. I really liked playing basketball growing up that was kind of the main sport i played but then i was kind of that side of the extreme sports i i wanted to be a skateboarder so bad i wanted to be a surfer so bad and i I did surf for a little bit but i'm not i'm not any good but i still if if i can steal away some time when i'm not racing i still get back to surfing if i can Pretty cool feeling being out on the water and just feels like you're floating and flying at the same time. But yeah, basketball and that. And then I actually started running very early, third grade. I was doing AAU track, so that that was my sport. But it was only two months out of the year, twice a week.
0: <laughs> well, it, part of the reason I ask Andrew is uh, there's such specification in youth sport. And it seems though many of the most successful athletes like yourself have a diversity of sport experience and uh, learn different skills, work different muscles. Do you see any of that stuff you did when you were younger that you balanced with a couple days of, of track starting in third grade, having helped you through the process?
1: Oh yeah, I definitely, I I still, I played every sport I could think of with my friends at the same time, all till the end of high school. So I I think that almost every physical therapist would recommend as many sports as possible because that lateral movement is so important to just staying healthy. So I, I, I believe that doing those sports has elevated my running 100%.
0: How is your training for cross different than your road prep for similar distances?
1: To be honest, there wasn't much of a difference, besides maybe getting on the on the grass a few times to do some um, to do strides and things like that. I mean, if we had a perfect world where we had big fields we could do workouts on, we would. But we don't really have that up here, so um, a lot of ours were still on the dirt. It, we we might have gravitated towards the dirt instead of on the roads um, for workouts and on the track. And that's kind of how it differed, but to be honest, getting roads strong and cross country strong kind of lend themselves to the same training.
0: Yeah, so similar types of sessions, just maybe occasionally different surfaces?
1: Yeah, just occasionally mixing up the surfaces, a lot more strides on grass would be the main difference, I would say.
0: Could you take us through a typical, let's say Monday to Sunday, what a framework of training looks like for you and your teammates?
1: Yeah, um, so we usually are we, we do kind of uh, a mix between seven and 10 day cycles. So we'll have a long run in there, which usually for us, we do a long run that consists of usually around 18, 19. Um, and that's with surging in it. So we'll do the first 50 to 60 minutes to open at a pretty relaxed pace. And then we'll add in one minute to three minute surges every five to 10 minutes. Um, so by the end, we're cooking pretty hard, but um, not crazy, but we might get down to low fives or something like that by the end. Um, and that's how we usually will start off a week with the long run. Um, and then we'll have a couple days, just easy runs where we'll get in 10 to 15 with a double usually. So, so that 15 would be a 10 and a five day. And then we always do strides the day before workout, maybe with another set of strides thrown in there in this 10 days, but we usually only do maybe one shorter shorter workout, like nine by 300, we'll call it, but it's usually like nine by 45 seconds. We do mainly things with time, not mm-hmm. um, distance, and um, that'll be one day, and then another day will be kind of like the main workout of the week, and I mean, usually we've been doing, we've gone back and forth from doing some tempo and threshold work and then adding in some VO2 work in the same workout. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of most of our stuff will be around that tempo threshold pace and then sprinkle in some VO2 stuff. I'm really bad. I don't even keep a log of what I do, which is bad. Um, and I should, but, um, Specifics, uh, like a specific workout, I think would be like an assertive two k, then maybe four by k, and then three by k, and then three by six hundred, and like that. That's one of the workouts we did before cross, mm-hmm. um, and I the paces were very um, varying. I think there were a couple at VO two for the k's, and then most of them were at just threshold pace and then he likes to have those shorter reps at the end be more like uh lengthened strides mm. so like treat it as if you're doing a pickup that gets a little faster as you go
0: when you say he we're referring to uh coach P. He ray. ray yeah yep. <laughs> uh, then, um you've been with the zap team and, and coach ray now for a lot of years and i wondered in there when you mentioned not keeping a log but saying maybe you should if your relationship with coach and how long you've been together is part of what allows that to happen, because you two have a pretty good understanding what makes the situation work for you?
1: Yeah, I think, well, he, he probably keeps a log too. He has mm-hmm. a lot of it written down and after the workout, I'll text him all the data that I uh, gather. And I, I wear a, I just had been wearing a, just a normal split watch, not a GPS watch. So I just, send him that um right now but uh yeah we've we've been together so long that he kind of we've kind of gotten it down to i just trust whatever he says and if he says to do something and for me i think the reason i don't keep a log as much is cuz i don't want to ever be looking back on things and comparing myself to maybe a side of myself that was working out too hard and overdoing it or oh my gosh, I barely ran faster than then, and I could only run this then. I kind of want to be in the present and in the future. So I kind of try and stay away from that part and let Pete use that to, to figure out what we're going to do. He, he'll he still go back to things we've done in the past, but for me as the athlete, I kind of tend to stay away from harping on that because I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, oh, I – I remember this workout I did back in the day. It was so awesome. Like, I wish I could do it now or stuff like that. I just want to be in the present.
0: Comparison is the thief of joy, right? When we look back on those sessions from two or three years ago, it's easy just to look at the times we ran and not think of the effort we put into running those times. So perhaps you're running something slower now, but with much greater control and it's a more effective workout potentially. Yeah. Uh, the team was with Reebok for so long, then switched mm-hmm. sponsors to On. I'm, right. sure, I'm sure both of those brands made shoes you enjoy. Now, mm-hmm. I, I believe you're unaffiliated as a team. Um, right? How challenging are those transitions as a pro athlete who's to some degree at the mercy of mega businesses?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it is tough. and. We, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had some great sponsors with Reebok and on in the past and they've treated us um, very well and grateful for everything they've given us. But it, it, those transitions is something that I don't think a lot of people kind of grasped. Like moving from Adidas for me in college to Reebok, it was a transition. Like it took my shoe, my feet a little while to get used to the shoes. And then the same thing when we went to On. Um, it took me a while to get used to the shoes and then what shoes worked for me in the beginning aren't working for me as much now as I'm older. So uh, it's, it's, it's a process and it it is challenging, but it's part of the job, right? Yeah. you got to figure out how that works. And um, it, it takes, a it, ta- it really does take a team to figure out like, okay, we've tried these shoes, let's try these shoes and figure out what works best for me. And luckily by the end, of when we were with on, I found a shoe, um, that I love training in and I could stay healthy with and, um, started to put together some great training cycles.
0: So on that note, there's this emerging narrative, Andrew, of the past maybe few months as a, uh, bounce back season of sorts yeah. for you <laughs> after some recent injuries, uh, how do you perceive your recent success and what do you think have been the keys?
1: Yeah, I I've been really excited. Um, I feel like I feel like I have been kind of coming along. I, I was I was hurt until July, or I got hurt in July, and then have kind of been coming back since then. And a couple of those early races in the fall, I was like, man, I'm not doing anything. And I'm actually seeing like some pretty significant results. Nothing crazy. I didn't go out and win a US championship or anything, but it was really cool to see those results off of doing not as much. And that kind of has been Pete coach Pete's philosophy is he's a, he likes baseball terms and he's like, all right, we're just hitting singles, yeah. no doubles. And I, I like to take it a step further and I'm just getting on base. I I'll bunt. I don't care. I'm just <laughs> getting on base. So that's kind of been our key to staying healthy. Like uh, I'll do workouts and I'll be like, man, this is not an impressive workout and that's how every workout is, but I'm staying healthy and stacking those unimpressive workouts. It's been the key for me to stay staying healthy. And it's kind of, uh, it's, it's humbling now because of all the mistakes I've made in the past where I've been like, man, I want to hit this workout out of the park. Like it's mm-hmm. time to, like, I just saw these people doing this. So I need to be doing this. And it's kind of like, no, I could have had an extra year of help had I just put that aside and focused on, hey, we're just going to put in gradual work that's easy, but it's going to make you better. And that's, that's, that's the key for me. I'm not saying it's the key for everyone, but there's definitely people. I even have teammates that work out like animals, and it works well for them. But it's just I can't do that. I get hurt. <laughs>
0: It's so fascinating that you say that, Andrew, because we went through in recent episodes a three-part series. There's been a really sweeping longitudinal study of the training habits of the best in the world that came out uh, last year. A Norwegian group of uh, ex-phys guys studied top athletes, a dozen or so coaches. The recurring theme seen over and over again is stacking consistent good efforts Rather right. than, as you said, trying to hit it out of the park. And uh, that seems to be working for you. Andrew Colley, the Ichiro or Tony Gwynn of distance <laughs> running, just getting on base. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Get brilliant. On base. That's right. Brilliant advice, man. And that comes on the heels of uh, some injuries over the past few years. Right. Any particular strength focus that helped you build back to training and competing at a high level?
1: Yeah, I've been uh, working with uh, a couple of the PTs, um, uh, John Ball and George Alex out in Phoenix, Arizona, Mm -hmm. Um, and then Abby Duak with Run Raleigh here in North Carolina. Um, And we've really focused on like hip mobility and glute strength. But a big thing, like they were having me play some basketball, you know, they're like, Hey man, your marathon training is making you unathletic. You need to get unathletic. You need to get athletic again. Mm. Um, so I mean, I'll go shoot some hoops. I'll go uh, r- run, run some plays over at the basketball court and uh, have fun and just kind of working on that side to side motion with uh, doing some adductor stuff. That has really been the key. And I've been getting into the weight room and doing some more heavier lifts with squats and deadlifts and things like that and i feel like it's been really working for me and i've had i've had trouble in the weight room in the past staying healthy but now i feel like i've gotten my body strong enough where that's i mean it's been it's been great and i think that even for the average joe get in the weight room and lift heavy it's so good for you
0: (laughs) yeah it's brilliant all right so we're at the park choosing up sides here comes andrew Ready to get on? Maybe three on three, five on five. What's the scouting report, man? What's your game like?
1: What's my game like? Uh, I, I I've always played point guard because before before I got to high school, I was man, I was I was like four eleven, like I, <laughs> I didn't five until high school, and I was uh, just a short guy, so I was always uh, bringing the ball up the court and trying to get a Steve Nash style assist. Okay, kind of my game plan.
0: All right, all right I like that. Back to one more piece with that injury recovery. Could you take us through maybe the uh, psychological journey of that cycle over the past couple of years? Because I know that's hard for even us average recreational athletes, and for you, where you you make a living doing this stuff, it has to be even more exponentially challenging. What, what does that looked like for you?
1: Yeah, it's tough, but it's also uh, it's also a it's a universal feeling, right? Like that's I, I feel better that everyone like other people go through it it's not just me you know um it man it is so tough because as as a runner who's been running so long so much of my identity is tied into my running and when I'm failing at that over and over again I mean there are some seriously dark times because I'm not only sad that I can't run I'm at a facility that is in the past before zap um the facility was sold i'm at a facility that is completely tailored to me being the best runner i can and i can't do that um so i definitely went through some dark times pretty pretty depressed um there's some times when i was not which is even more frustrating i couldn't sleep enough for a long time and that just makes things worse start like having hallucinations because of lack of sleep and stuff like that because i'm just so down on myself but i got through it and uh you know being able to kind of be around a group of positive people is really the key for me to getting out of that funk if i get back into it you know getting to latch on to their success and just their joy. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a hard thing to do. That's why I recommend having something besides running that you can throw yourself into at all times, because if you just let running or one thing be your identity, and then you take that thing away, you just feel terrible. So it's nice to have something else you can do in your spare time. You're kind of just distracting yourself until you can get back out to running. You know, uh, so I and I know it's not I know it's not easy and a lot of times we'll beat ourselves up about it but um a lot of people go through it. Yeah, I feel like I've been told so many times if you're a runner you're going to get hurt. Mm. So there's some solace in that that your suffering is not is not alone and you're warranted because everyone does. <laughs>
0: And often it's part of the, the growth, the, the process right. that we have to go through. Yeah. Sage advice about finding those other things where you can seek joy and, uh, appreciate other pastimes. What were some of those things for you or are still today those things for you?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I am a, I am a wholehearted kid. I am. <laughs> I, so, I mean, there are some times where I was just seeing what I could light on fire in the field, <laughs> doing <laughs> shenanigans like that. Uh, Uh, I, I, I also recently have gotten into, uh, doing some, some foraging,
0: uh, so,
1: so I, I've got some mushroom books and I'll go and, uh, pick some mushrooms, uh, not many in the winter, but, uh, throughout the year, I'll kind of go on these hikes and find new places and get my spots where I know I'll be able to get mushrooms for a couple months. And then, uh, and then I make some, I, I like to do some cooking and. With those things I forage and make some stuff like that. But other than that, it's just purely shenanigans, <laughs>
0: just
1: goofing around.
0: <laughs> uh, shrooms and shenanigans, beautiful. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember watching uh, some YouTube videos, a little series in the lead up to Grandma's in 2019 oh, yeah. that your team did, and you ran 212 there. Right. And this is an odd question, but I'm almost certain I remember you fueling that race or else it was the long runs leading up, but maybe the actual race with sweet tea. Can you I did. go? Yeah. Can you go into that plan and how do you execute that? Yeah. I, I was
1: very new to the marathon and I kind of was like, man, I, I always have stomach problems with doing stuff. So like, what am I used to? And I, I can, I can hound some sweet tea. Like I can put <laughs> it down. So uh, I was like, I think I'm going to do sweet tea and I would brew my own tea the night before every workout and like get it into bottles and make sure I had enough sugar into it. Um, but then at the race, I, I did race with sweet tea, which yeah. was delicious, but <laughs> probably not enough to get me to the finish line. So I kind of bombed with a couple miles to go, but it got me. It almost got me there like 24
0: (laughs) and the guy in front of you who won had to slow to a walk at one point i mean you were right right on top of him uh well first i guess since the the team has moved on from on have we reached out to lipton or milo's or snapple or somebody for a sponsorship deal
1: yeah that's what i that's what that would be nice I i i need to get uh i need to get the agent on that see if he can uh Maybe maybe a bojangles or something southern. Oh just to, yeah. Just to really uh encourage that uh that vibe.
0: <laughs> Andrew, I could see you going to at the aid table at like mile twenty and everybody's grabbing their bottles and you're just Nailing a Bowberry biscuit. Um,
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh,
0: what What does the fueling plan look like now in the post sweet tea era for you? I know this is not relevant, maybe to to cross right now, but for longer right. distance stuff.
1: I think what we I found my most success with is I I really liked the Martin. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard great things about. um can too. Um, we actually used to be sponsored by UCAN. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm gonna go with yet uh, i have I have to get back into it and see if I can figure out um what works best for me. but right now, I'm kind of experimenting and i've I've enjoyed the martin a good amount.
0: Uh, you said yet, so not to get ahead of ourselves because you have something huge coming in a month, but do you have a twenty twenty three marathon planned?
1: yep, yep. the plan is to go to Rotterdam in Excellent. April, so that was the deal is that Pete Pete told me he's like you can do cross but just know you're building up for a marathon right
0: after. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, All right. I'm doing it. <laughs> I've heard great things about Rotterdam, the course and the competition. Yeah, yeah that's exciting.
1: Yeah, they've got really high co- quality competition and then the the meet directors are awesome and very hospitable and like even the people. I haven't heard anything bad about the Netherlands and every, everybody is so nice. And uh, I'm I'm just so pumped to race it.
0: Excellent. Yeah. A few quick ones here for you, Andrew, before we let you go. Yeah. First, what's the best part of training in Blowing Rock, North Carolina?
1: Best part about training in Blowing Rock, North Carolina has got to be Moses Cone. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Just like well-manicured carriage trails going up and down the mountain and got a little lake loop there too it's pretty beautiful
0: yeah for the audience those who haven't been there it's worth taking a trip to, uh just to run at Moses Cone Park that's yeah, an oh, awesome yeah. Train. you know if you come
1: out here I'll I'll go for a run with you
0: there we go all right yeah. that's awesome what are your thoughts on the powerhouse women's program that coach Hennis is developing at your alma mater North Carolina State
1: yeah oh super pumped I'm a I'm a I'm a huge fan uh of Coach Henness and all she's doing, and Coach Geiger and all of them. So uh, I'm I'm so pumped. I I love seeing NC State back on top and just crushing it. And I mean, they deserve it. And they kind of they're kind of pretty baller about it. They kind of like have their swagger when they walk up. So I'm yeah I'm all for it.
0: Uh, Raleigh has some great running spots as well. Are you a uh, like Umstead guy or Tobacco Trail? Where's your spot out there?
1: Umstead guy for sure that's where we did all our long runs uh in college and that's kind of uh that's kind of one of my happy places is after our long runs we would all the guys and the girls team would stretch under this giant tree and have bagels and water or gatorade and just like hang out and have a good time so that's definitely one of my happy places
0: very neat all right, last, tell us about the flow, man. I am jealous of that head of lettuce. When was the last time you cut the hair short?
1: So this is actually the shortest I've had it probably in the past, like, eight-ish years. It's so it, it's been long, a long time. Yeah, I, I, And I've always, I, I mean, I first had a bowl cut growing up. And, you know, when you start with that, you can only go up. It doesn't matter what kind of haircut you get. It's going to be better. Uh so so I got uh I've I've had long hair probably since um middle school. Just like shoulder length and it's just kind of kept going and you know I just I'm trying to be like uh Jason Momoa. That's all it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you said shortest you've had in a number of years and it is yeah. it's down below the shoulders, man. You are right samson i guess we got to keep yeah, that thing right. flowing yeah
1: i yeah, keep the strength
0: andrew it's been a, a blast man thanks so much for sharing your time can't wait to see you in about well we got about three four weeks before australia that's uh, right. so finish off travel plans for australia do you get to stick around are you gonna vacation at all or is it boom i'm getting ready for rotterdam
1: it's kind of boom i'm getting ready ready for rotterdam i'm, I'm gonna go over a couple of days early and um uh, just to get 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 ahead of it a little bit and then get ready to race and then head home.
0: Well, good luck, man. Best wishes. Uh, we're going to be cheering hard for you there in Rotterdam and and going forward. Love your energy and enthusiasm and just perspective on the joy of the sport.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: You are welcome. There's Andrew Colley, the Steve Nash of U.S. Cross Country. You can see him at Bathurst in February. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I appreciate it.